I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome along. It's another Writer's Routine podcast. This is the show where we talk to an author about their own working day and we try and learn uh, from the secret rituals of their success. This week we chat to historical fiction writer James Wilde, who has just released a brand new look at Britain's greatest uh, legend, really, King Arthur. We talk about his A-level drama style of plotting, how he tries to fit his inventions into the tiny little gaps in history, and also how it's okay for a debutante to rip off their idols. The first few books you tend to, uh, in a way, writing in a style of the books that you like to read and you have to find a way to throw that off and discover who you are. So I think maybe by the by the third or fourth book, you recognise your own voice coming through. Well, maybe not rip off, but you know, I think the professionals call it paying homage. Stay there though, it's all on the way on this week's Writer's Routine. Yes, hello, I hope you're well. Thank you so much for uh, downloading, giving us a listen. This is The Writer's Routine. My name is Dan Simpson. And also thank you very much to Sheffield Terrier, by the way, and also to Dave Mono and to David Roberts too for heeding the call, for fighting the power and stepping to the breach over on the iTunes podcast store. Because if you're enjoying Writer's Routine and you want to help grow the show and get other like-minded, adrift, hopeful, but possibly kind of hapless potential writers involved in listening as well. That is the best way you can do it. Just head over to the iTunes podcast store and leave us a review. Now you can say all the nice things that you want on there. Who knows? Maybe you can even use uh, the writing tips that you've heard on this show. (laughs) Fingers crossed we get like a whole raft of reviews in three beautiful acts with a lovely story arc and characterization. The most important thing though uh, is just to get over there Drop us five stars, leave us your name, it's dead easy, I promise. Won't take you more than two seconds, just find Writer's Routine on the iTunes podcast store. Today, we're getting like a little bit nerdy and niche in the best possible way though, uh, because our guest is historical fiction writer James Wilde. Now, James has published six books in his Herowood series. They're all about the freedom fighter and the man of war, Herowood. And it's all about his quest to claim the throne. Now, they're set in the 11th century. I think that's right. 
I'm always a little bit confused by these kind of things. I mean, the first book is in 1062. So if my key stage two history is right, I think that's the 11th century. Yeah? Anyway, it's all about that era. So you know what it's going to read like. It's going to be very dark, brooding, misty. And what's interesting is that the dialogue that James writes only uses words and phrases from that time too. So we'll have a chat to him about researching something with so much detail that this must have required. He's also got a new book out from a brand new historical series too. It's Pendragon. It's set in the time of King Arthur. So we'll have a chat about that too. And it's not just historical fiction that he's written. Uh, He's also penned screenplays, worked as a journalist and also published many other genres of books under his real name, Mark Chadbourne. And I love a pseudonym. So we'll probably mention that as well. Now, our Distinguished Diary today features the weird and wonderful writing routine of the poet Sylvia Plath. And I've got more news, actually, about writers' routines pioneering work in technology. That's on the way. Uh, First, let's get into our chat with historical fiction writer James Wilde and hear about his writers' routine. I write in many, many, many places. I um, travel on my laptop, so I'll work in a pub during the day or a cafe I'll sit in the middle of Tooting Common when it's sunny when I'm in the Midlands in my home uh, I've got a study lined with books and I'll sit in there and that's sort of an inspiration for me but I like to mix it up get out and about travel around and I find that's great for the creative juices you know so you're not trapped in one place you know it keeps things bubbling up and percolating so when I'm working in the pub it's great because you you see people walking around you see life in general and i find that interesting and stimulating i will get up i'll read for a while i will take the dog a walk and just sort of get the uh, creative juices percolating while i'm thinking about things and then um i'll sit down and i'll work very intensively i work in um an hour burst and then i'll take a maybe an hour off and I'll do about, I can do like a thousand words in an hour, very focused. But then you need to sort of relax the muscles a bit. So then I'll go and get a coffee, uh, wander around town, come back and do another hour, solid like that, and then take a break, again, come back. So, you know, I'd, I'll feel happy if I do 3,000 words in a day, maybe. But I divide my time between writing books and writing screenplays uh, as well. So sometimes I'll do the novel in the morning and write a a script in the afternoon. If you're writing 3,000 words a day, Mm. how long does a book take from the very first idea that pops into your head to then when it's ready to be sent to your publisher? It's it's odd because it's not not linear like that. I think that I get the idea for a book and then I'll I'll develop a pitch or a treatment which I'll send into the editor. So the ideas are already pretty fully formed by them before I get approval. When I start writing, the actual process of writing the book and working through the plot, um, six months, maybe six months to complete two or three drafts. And then you go through maybe six months of the editing process. I know by now um, to trust myself more that you don't need to plot heavily. Uh, You just need the sort of tent poles of the story, um, the major turning points for the story. As long as you've got all those in place, you need to leave a lot of freedom to be creative in between that. I think if you plot too heavily, it sucks the life out of it. And with the first Harrywood book, certainly I plotted it very heavily because it was the first historical one I'd done. I wanted to get all the history right. Now, 
I'll uh, I'll have a general idea of how to get from A to B, but I don't bolt it down. That's one of the main things that really interests me um, with you writing historical fiction yep. is how you do plot it. So I know you say you don't do a lot anymore, whereas at the start you did loads. Mm. There's a responsibility that you have to, to get <laughs> the facts right yes. and to know what's going on. How do you play around with that? How do you make sure that what you're writing is correct? And how do you know what you're going to write next? Okay, well, the, the history provides the basic structure for the book anyway so I use that as the template but the idea as a historical fiction writer I look for the spaces in between the history where I can put in something that doesn't contradict and I can develop characters that don't disrupt what we all know I do masses of research before I start so I know the history back to front uh, more than I'd ever need. I, I read loads of books. I go to places that are mentioned and walk, you know, walk across muddy fields through the fens or whatever for Heriwood. Um And I just have a huge volume of notes there. I mean, I, you know, once you start writing, you'll find that you actually need to do so much more. You end up, you know, you can do three or four points of research for every sentence sometimes. Um, but that, once I've got all that information, that really gives me freedom to find the characters, to find the story and not contradict with what happened. When I spoke to my editor, I wanted to do three books because it was quite a big, sprawling story from when he was um, young and he was on the run as an outlaw until he became this great war le leader that almost defeated William the Conqueror and changed the path of British history. I felt that would need three books to get that depth or one huge chunky book but um, the first one was a bestseller and did so well I thought well I quite like to look at what he did after after the story after the history and that would give me a, an opportunity to explore different parts of the world the characterization of the plots are everything if you want just the history read an academic book you know we've as fiction writers you've got to look at the human story you've got to look at the deep themes of what you're trying to say it's not just about recounting the history you've got to say something about the people there and about that time so that to me is what interests me as opposed to just the historical element of it you've got to make it interesting and stimulating and it always comes down to character so if you populate your books with really interesting characters that come alive that in effect writes writes the uh, the story for yourself because you're looking at the relationships you're looking at what they're trying to do what obstacles stand in their way um, and the story arises out of that again within that broader framework of the history so you know I was following Harryward um, his adopted brother and the, the, the sort of the people who followed Harryward and just trying to get into their lives and what it would be like to live there and their struggles and that's what arises then within the, the broader story. And how much do you know of your characters before you sit down to write? Or are, are you someone that lets it all develop uh, as you type out on your laptop? I know facts. I know facts about them, where they came from, um, generally who they are. But that, uh, 
that sort of indefinable element, the the abstract element of what makes a character live, that comes through the actual writing, and the unconscious mind provides that. You can I don't think you can sit down in advance and consciously try to create a character. You've got to let them live in the story as you're writing it. So what that means is, you get to the end of the book, you have to go back to the start and rewrite elements of it to make it more of a whole because your character has developed across the course of the stories you're writing it. I've chatted to a, a crime author mm. for this series who was was telling me about um, uh, an idea called a plotter. Are you a plotter or a pantsier? Mm. I think that's what she said. Are you plotting or do you kind of fly by your pants on, on, the, on the edge of your seat? Yeah. And she was saying that she had written all of this book mm. and she only discovered on like the last page that the murderer of this crime she'd set up was someone completely different to who she thought it was going to be. Yes, yeah. Do you ever have elements of that surprise to yourself when you're writing Herowood. So maybe you've, you've had this idea for something that's happening three books down the line, but things change in your mind about how it will end up because of what you've learned about your characters along the way. Well, it's quite, it's quite different with history because you you can't change too much. It's already defined for you where you've got... So you've got to... Um, you know about Herowood what his life was, what William the Conqueror's life was. That's the really interesting elements to me, the things that the unconscious mind throws up. And you've got to leave lots of space in your writing for that to surface, I think. So I'm not I'm not a plotter, but neither am I a pantser either, because I think you do need to have some structure. And again, that comes from the other side of my writing, that you need, for an appealing story the mechanics have to turn at particular points to work effectively for people. Now stay right there, we'll get more from James Wilde, including an interrogation of how he actually plots his storylines in just a sec. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection... Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Now, as sure as the world keeps turning, the sun keeps burning, and the trains from Paddington are consistently delayed, we've done it again. The Writer's Routine podcast is pioneering the world of technology. In the past, we've brought you a Twitter account to follow. It's at Writer's Pod, uh, where we now show you little 30-second clips, actually, of each author that we speak to, so you've got a nice little taste of what's to come. Then we brought you a website. It's writersroutine.com, and on there you can get in touch with the show. You can find all the ways to hear us, and you can also listen to all the episodes from the series so far and now we bring you an instagram account i mean i understand that this isn't the type of show that will feature glossy photos from all around the world but i do have some big interviews coming up soon i've got to travel all around the city to find them so you can have a little sneak peek of the pictures of those on there we'll stick them up a little bit early also we'll bring you snippets of authors we've had on the series so far and i'll try and do some videos from the upcoming interview sessions too so as well as on Twitter, where we are at WritersPod uh, and WritersRoutine.com on the old internet. So you can give us a follow on Instagram. Do that, please. We are obviously Writers Routine. Right then, time for this week's Distinguished Diaries, where we get tips and tricks on successful writing from some of the most celebrated authors in history. Today, it's the poet and the novelist Sylvia Plath. Now, Sylvia is most famous probably for her uh, semi-autobiographical novel, The Bell Jar, which she originally published, interestingly, under the pseudonym Victoria Lucas. Sylvia, she wrote poetry to, and also won a posthumous Pulitzer Prize for her collected poems. And it's very easy to know her daily writing routine, uh, because she kept a diary from when she was 11 until her suicide, aged 30. You see, she suffered from clinical depression pretty much all her life, and she had the agony and the anguish of having to experience that horrible uh, electroconvulsive treatment. And her diary documents her deep struggle of keeping to a productive schedule. In fact, the only one that she really got anywhere near sticking to was towards the end of her life when she lived alone with her two kids. She would wake up at five in the morning every day uh, after her sleeping sedatives that knocked her out uh, finally wore off and then she wrote until her kids rose and she worked like this for two months and it was at this time that she finished nearly all of the poems in her collection Ariel and it was this uh, uh, text this book of work that finally announced her as a brilliant new voice in poetry sadly it did that posthumously again The routine clearly worked for her, though. Uh, She says that she felt possessed by her work and she was triumphant in finally finishing this creative act. Just a few months before taking her own life, not knowing what was to come, uh, she wrote, I am a genius of a writer. I'm writing the best poems of my life. These will make my name, she says. Just four months later, though, Sylvia Plath, she committed suicide before she could finally get that international recognition that she deserved. So let's get back to the second part then of our chat with historical fiction writer James Wilde. Uh, In this we chat about the difference in writing screenplays to novels. I try and actually like pin down the actual purpose of of his plotting and what he does because I think he's been a little bit evasive here. And also we ask how much he really knows about the people that he writes. When I'm putting characters together, I, I have a lot of detail about their lives, so I know the space that they inhabit. Uh, but when I'm writing it, I tend to look for the sort of psychological elements. I mean, psychology is an area that's a, a big interest in me, sort of real-world psychology, and I've read a lot about it and written about it. So I look for the psychological elements that will set those characters 
apart and then I look for how through their psychology they will react to the plot so I don't try and force them to follow plot lines I put them in a scene and then see how they react and then see how that develops and I think that's where you get the most interesting things in a book because that's when you know as people say my character wanted to do something totally different to what I was writing Um, and it's true I mean if you know the psychology of your character you might want them to do something but you know instinctively they do something completely different and you have to go with them and that brings the book alive then alive then i think what idiosyncrasies have you kind of figured out possibly about the way you work that make you work better i know now that i need to listen to music all the time when i'm writing so i put a pair of headphones on cuts out the world lots of different kinds that get me into the mood the emotion of whatever scene I'm writing. I know a lot of writers do that, but I find that when the world is closed out through music, I can be much more productive and I can get that flow that I need to get into the characters' lives. So I've found that out pretty much through writing these. I know that you've said that you you can crack out a thousand words in an hour. Mm. How challenging is it to make sure they're a thousand good words? Or do you not care about that? You'll come back to that in the editing. I I don't care about that. I mean, they're they're undoubtedly not a thousand good words. You know, there might be uh, a few hundred in there. But I think it's very important to keep the story moving to keep you interested because it's very it's a big endeavor to write a novel and it's very easy to get bored and if you get bored that's that's sucks the lifeblood out of a book so the trick is to keep just keep writing keep writing keep writing and then go back and edit and edit and rewrite if necessary i think sometimes i find you know when you've done a few you can write a pretty good first draft straight off because you know what you're doing and you it's just like exercising a muscle and you can just do that work so it's yeah it's just getting the words on the page i think and moving the story forward when i've read uh, some of the heroid series mm. what i've noticed and what must be quite tricky i find is the language that you're using mm. because it sets the mood mm. now the mood in a lot of historical fiction is always very like misty you know it's all quite dark it's quite brooding and that's set by the the descriptive words that you're using i know that you've said that you you just write down anything in the in the hope that there's a hundred good things in there but how mm. much thought are you giving to each word that you're writing down in the hope that it's it's going to convey the tone that you want to give out yeah that's a good question i um i do give a lot of thought to it because uh, especially with historical fiction set in a particular era it's very easy to destroy the illusion of the time if you're using uh, modern words I, I tried to particularly with the heroin books um, I've changed that with Pendragon book but with the Heriwood books I tried to make sure that all the dialogue only used words that were available at the time of writing that's incredibly limiting because the the vocabulary was quite small then with the Heriwood books um I went to the Fenlands and I walked where he walked and I saw all the battlefields and I you know slept out under the stars as he would do down in uh, sort of windswept cold rainy hideously disgusting places and I think then you get a feel of it and then I went to all the the local um, archives and looked at historical documents from the time and it, it's in a way it's layering it you, you I come in through the physical through the geography 
to try and put myself in the mindset of what it was like then. And then you layer it with information from writers, from academics, uh, I contact at universities or whatever. And it's a cr- an accretion of facts, really, that builds up over time. But for me, it's always the physical element that gets me into the story. Are you making notes when you're sleeping out under the stars in the freezing cold or are you just keeping it in your mind? I keep it in my mind. I mean, obviously with technology, it's great. I've got a phone. I can just, you know, speak a few words into it and I've got I've got it there if there's something in the moment. But I, I find it better to allow myself to uh, settle into it. You know, the brain's the best recorder you've got and I'll come back then and I'll, if there's anything I specifically want to focus on, I'll write that down when I get back from one of the field trips but mostly I just try and keep it in my head the new book Pendragon it's out now give me a summary of that story right now if you can okay it's set at the time when the um, the Roman Empire was in decline um, in uh, Roman Britain was failing uh, there was uh, lots of upheaval in Rome itself and they pretty much forgotten about what was going on in Britain and it's set along Hadrian's Wall to start with it's set a hundred years before the Arthurian legend arose as we know it and it was picking up elements that would then develop a hundred years down the line so um, I'd got really two elements that I wanted to combine I'd got the um, the historical element of what was happening at that particular time 367 AD and then the Arthurian elements that I wanted to look at how it might have arisen out of history so it was a matter of bringing the two together originally it wasn't going to be an Arthurian story I read a piece about a very interesting piece about all the barbarian tribes across Europe had been fighting each other continually for hundreds of years and at one point in time they suddenly all came together and decided to invade across Hadrian's Wall and into Britain and to invade the Roman Empire and it's called the Barbarian Conspiracy in the the history books and that was the the idea that initially intrigued me what made them do it why did they do it what then how did that change the course of history so that was the seed and as I started thinking about that it arose out of that so you've got your seed Mm. it's starting to rise yeah what do you do next then i looked at characters uh what characters would be um involved in that history on both sides on the roman side and on the uh the barbarian side and then i looked at how those characters could be tied into historical events and where those historical events and the characters would get to. And as I was reading up about the more mythic elements of the belief systems at the time, that's when I could see the lines through to the Arthurian element. So there's really no direct plot at this point. You just, no. you know va- you know where you want to set it, you know the characters... And you're almost doing like A-level drama in the fact that you're chucking them into a room seeing what happens. That's right. That was it, exactly. Um, it was all going on in my head. Uh, obviously, you just keep playing it out. So I knew the barbarian invasion was coming. I knew the characters I wanted. I could see uh, the details of the gods they worshipped and the, the legends they had and the myths they had and how that could feed through to the Arthurian element. And then I, it was then that I started to put the plot together afterwards what would happen here where would those characters go how did that invasion unfold i mean the history of the time is very thin 
we're not even sure how much did happen, but the history showed that this happened then, and then it was up to me to fill it and move the characters through that landscape. How do you work differently when you write for a screen than when you're writing a book? It is vastly different. I, I enjoy doing it because it's almost like a palate cleanser at a meal. You, you need to forget everything you know as a novelist and think in a totally different way when you're doing screenwriting. Screenwriting is all structure, pretty much. Once you've got the initial idea and concept, you need to um, have all your turning points in the right place in the script. You're working to a very limited time, you know, an hour, whatever. So you've got to make sure that all the elements are in there. Everything pretty much in screenwriting is structure, whereas in a novel, you've got so much space and freedom to do. I mean, the structure is still there, but the structure in a novel should be invisible. It should be in screenwriting, but any writer will know that the audience expects this to be happening at this point, this to be happening at this point, which has been shown over time to be more fulfilling to the viewer. Do you ever get complaints about your use of history? Maybe things aren't where they should be? You get complaints all the time, whatever you're writing, I think. Um, readers get invested in what you're doing. They let you know if they feel you're not hitting the mark on any front. Um, factually, I mean, the, the great thing about history is that the areas where I write, there's lots of space within the actual history. So I do get a lot of people saying, well, this wouldn't have happened like that. But nobody knows. I mean, that's their view of that particular historical period. And that's my view. Uh, they they get my view whether it works for them or not. That's, you know, that's entirely down to them. So but I try wherever possible to get all the facts that we know correct. When I was a kid, I always wanted to write books. I read voraciously and I knew I always wanted to be a writer. So I I worked as a journalist for a while and I was writing books in my spare time, nights, weekends. But I was was writing all sorts of stuff. You know, I was writing uh, psychological thrillers. I was writing some crime. um, And then I, I got picked up for a sort of supernatural thriller. And then I wrote some fantasy novels after that, which did pretty well. But I'd always wanted to write a historical novel and um, when I reached a certain point where the books were doing well I spoke to my editor and said you know I want to do this and he said fine let's put it out under James Wilde a different name so you don't confuse the booksellers and they know where to rack it in the bookshops and um, under my other name for the same publisher I did um, a sort of historical fantasy set during the Elizabethan era so uh history's always been quite high on my list of areas that I wanted to work in. How do you go about making sure that yours are different and stand out from the rest? I think that a lot of that should come quite naturally in that a book is about who you are, not about what you're writing. So your your personality provides that unique element. But I always look for areas where other people aren't working I mean, sometimes it doesn't work out because you find out somebody's doing the same and you've got two books coming out from different authors at the same time about the same subject, which, you know, but you didn't know you were working on it. But I try and find spaces where people aren't working and I try and bring what I feel are my elements as a writer to it that they perhaps won't. So my historical books have more of a thriller element, maybe, um, Whereas you look at some other authors and they have other strengths and are interested in working in other areas, maybe. How early on in your writing kind of career, I guess, Mm. were you objective in figuring out what you are good at 
as an author you, you were saying that you, you tried to bring your own kind of slant to the history that you're writing down yeah how did you figure that out i think that just arises naturally when you're writing so um the first few books you tend to uh, well the first couple maybe you're you're in a way writing in a style of the books that you like to read and you have to find a way to throw that off and discover who you are so i think maybe by the by the third or fourth book you recognize your own voice coming through you naturally gravitate to that because it's more fulfilling to write in that way rather than echoes of somebody else and you see what your strengths are and you because you get excited as you're writing it you think yeah i really love doing this bit and you love it because you're good at it so you know you know where you're going with it Right, that is it for today's episode. Huge thank you then to James Wilde for coming on Writer's Routine. His brand new book, Pendragon, it's out right now. And also you can fill your boots with six from his Herowood series too. Uh, I've got handy links for you to find them online over at writersroutine.com if you can't quite figure out Google. Uh, and remember, while you're there, leave us a message and you can also hear all the other episodes from the series so far too. We're on Twitter, at Writer's Pod, Instagram as Writer's Routine. And on there you can get pictures and clips from interviews with authors before they're out on this show and also we've got short snippets of full episodes on there if you fancy a little tease and please 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 if you're enjoying writer's routine and you want other people to know and to get in on the show too it means we can get more fantastic authors uh, for you to get tips and advice from get onto itunes leave us a review with five stars that would be extremely grateful we are back next week uh, with a Soho socialite who turned his club nights into best-selling books. It's next week on Writer's Routine. I'll see you then. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.